0: This is Evercore Edge, Evercore's thought leader sharing insights on today's markets and events.
1: Welcome to this episode of the Evercore Edge. I'm Neil Shaw, co head of financial sponsors at Evercore. This afternoon, I'm joined by Jim Neary, co head of U.S. private equity and member of the executive management group at Warburg. During his 25 years at Warburg, Jim has led industrials, healthcare, business services, technology, media, telecom, as well as capital markets. He is truly one of the veterans in the private equity world and importantly, has invested across numerous economic cycles. Jim, thank you for joining us here today. It's a pleasure to be here. The topic of today's podcast is 2024 trends. What is top of mind for sponsors? So Jim, why don't we start there? We are in a fairly unique market environment for private equity investing. Cost of debt has risen, overall leverage appetite has fallen, there is much more capital chasing arguably fewer deals. As we look out into 2024, what are your views
0: on the private equity market environment? Well, thank you, Neil, and again, it's a a pleasure to be here with you. yeah, we, we've come through a really interesting period in our industry of, of, of relatively significant growth, really, um, ever since the great financial crisis, when we were um, all benefiting from free uh, capital, from, from very low cost capital, our industry has had a terrific run. It's grown both in terms of the number of firms and the dollars, and, and uh, it was a relatively um, strong investing environment for that entire period of time. The last 18 months or so, we've shifted into, I think, a, a much different environment. Obviously, the, the precursor to that is the fact that we're dealing with higher interest rates and the cost of capital that you, that you alluded to. But there's also a number of other things going on in the macro and in the geopolitical world, which I think gives general pause and frankly adds risk to the whole environment. Um, of course, we've got two hot wars going on in the, in the world right now. We've got tensions with China the, between China and the U.S., uh, we've got a big election cycle coming up in the U.S. Uh, lots of, uh, of of sort of complicated um, political issues inside the U.S. and and elsewhere. Uh, in addition to um, the higher interest rates that you alluded to already, um, so we're in this period of of I think relatively um, volatile uh, times. Uh, what do we what do we see happening? And and a lot of times that question that I I've received recently is do you expect a recession should we get it are we going to have right. a recession Are we have a larger more active deal environment yes it, it, right. and I would say that you know frankly uh we've had this experience over the last couple of years of lots of different pockets of of difficulties um if I look back at 2022 I will tell you that staffing um, up businesses was a huge problem and it and it led to massive margin pressure inside uh, many different businesses out there, as they were struggling to attract and retain attract and retain labor. Uh, we have another business that sells into uh, sells into the um, e commerce ecosystem, sells equipment to e commerce providers. That had a gangbuster 2021, but fell off dramatically in 2022. Uh, the low end consumer today is actually in in difficult uh, difficult circumstances as stimulus dollars have worn out. So we've, we're going to have these pockets of volatility. We've had them already, and I think we're going to have them going through next year into 2024. Um, we're in the business of pricing risk, right? That's what that's what we do for a living. And as I think about 2024, risk is elevated. Um, it doesn't mean that it has to be terrible. It doesn't mean that it has to be a, a full-on recession. But it means that that we, as we price risk, we have to be more mindful of the, of the uh, overall risk that's in the ecosystem today. So as I look forward next year, I think that we will continue to see deals get done. We will continue to see um, you know, the private equity industry, which has a lot of capital, uh, make sure that they're putting that capital to work. But I would also say that we've got to, as an industry, have a relatively fine filter. We need to be thinking about elevated risk and pricing it accordingly. So the question is, is will sellers and buyers think the same way about the value of that risk and how to price that risk. And I think that that will mean a slower market continues into next year until we get more clarity on some of these massive macro volatility issues. And as you see the deal environment and
1: specifically your private equity firms putting capital out, much more pressure you think on value creation, going back to Certain firms maybe relying on the traditional LBO model and the you know, lower rate environment to really boost up returns. Is this over the next five years to seven years going to force PE firms to really focus on value creation in their portfolio companies?
0: Yeah, I think if you haven't gotten there already, you're probably a little late um, in terms of you know, making sure that you have the resources to do it. Uh, that you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when I first got into this business, you you know smart people with a lot of money could do well, right. um, and certainly as we all benefited from the multiple expansion that that uh, occurred from 2008 or nine till um, 2021, uh, that you know that opportunity of, of sort of just making good investments and sort of sitting back and letting them letting them go, I think that that game is over. Right. Um, so I do agree with the premise of your question that value creation is a really important part of, of what we as an industry need to do. We've thought that for a very long time. Uh, we've always talked about the fact that, you know yes, we benefit from multiple expansion in general when the market gives it to us, but we also try to go out and earn multiple expansion. And by that, I mean, we are going to transform the companies that we own. When we, when we sell them, they look a lot different than when we bought them. They're bigger. They're more professional. They're more global. They've got new product development. They've got better go to market. They've got all of the the attributes that sort of involve professionalizing and growing an organization. Um, I think there's a huge premium on the ability to do that. Uh, I will tell you that as we are experiencing, we have a relatively large portfolio, 200 odd companies. The, the thing that we're most focused on is operating performance at the margin level not at the top line level um, top line we're growth investors we're able to find growth but where we're where we're feeling more pressure is on the margin side and where we're working really hard with our value creation team is to make sure that we're dealing with that with that issue got it and
1: now if we shift focus to exits for a mm-hmm. minute there's just been a fairly flat m a market fairly flat down, obviously, IPO market. How do you see the, your exit market sort of unfolding over the next 12 to 24 months or so as well?
0: Well, I would say that, um, again, in general, the, uh, we're, we're building businesses that have strong appeal and scarcity value, hopefully. Um, but I will say that we're much more reliant, I think, at this moment in time on uh, trade buyers, on, on strategic buyers than the opportunity to sort of trade amongst private equity firms which which will continue and has continued has been a uh, a trend over the last you know over the last 10 years there's quite a bit of transacting amongst ourselves uh but um but we are trying to build businesses that have pretty broad appeal uh so but it it is going to be harder um and i will say that right the, the the seller buyer expectation match is hard in this five minutes I think we're getting closer to people, you know, the sell side actually kind of realizing, um, that the, that times are different and that they have to adjust their valuation expectations. But as you know, the deal environment in 2022 has been relatively slow. It's not, not non-existent there's been deals, but relatively slow. Uh, I expect next year will continue to be relatively slow. We will pick and choose where we're choosing to monetize, um, Usually, we're going to find ourselves more excited about selling things that are going to have broader appeal, particularly into the strategic uh, into the strategic investor right. universe. It
1: almost seems like it's a logical end state because if the entire industry is now much more focused on value creation, mm-hmm. and you fa- fast forward that, and you sort of you've optimized the asset to your exact point, now can you sell it to a sponsor when you've optimized the asset? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But it may not be perfect, and
0: therefore it might be better suited in I strategic agree. hands. I agree, and and again, mm-hmm. we've been fortunate in our ability to find and build assets that that are appealing broadly. And as right. we've we've monetized quite a bit over the last several years, I think we've done a, a a really terrific job in continuing the monetization, even in even in these challenging environments. But largely, we've done that because we've had assets that appeal to strategic buyers.
1: Right. Right. Um, I'm going to shift gears on you. Sure. AI is topical. Mm -hmm. Everyone talks about AI. How have you, within your IC, when you look at businesses, think about just job automation, AI, the impact, and of course, your long-term investors making a long-term thesis, how are you calibrating that in your investment decision-making?
0: I I, I caveat the answer with I'm not I'm not the expert on AI, and and there's probably some of my partners that would be even better at answering this. But I would say that we're generally thinking about it with two lenses: one is risk, and one is opportunity. Uh, on the on the risk side, as you think about workflow, and you think about workflow, both human and electronic, and you know uh, software work, workflow software, uh, there is a lot of that that is going to be replaced by artificial intelligence over time. I'm, I'm, again, I'm not the expert and I can't tell you how quickly that will happen, mm-hmm. but I will tell you that if you have a combination of humans and software that are taking an input and creating an output over, you know, a relatively uh, complicated value chain, think inside healthcare or think inside other parts of the economic uh, ecosystem, I, much of that will improve with a- artificial intelligence. So for us, there's this, how can we leverage artificial intelligence? How can we take the assets that we own or the assets that we might purchase and apply artificial intelligence to make them better? At the same time, we need to think about innovation and, and new entrants around some of our existing businesses and make sure that we're ready uh, with our own solutions so that we're not displaced by um, solutions that, ben- that, that uh, leverage artificial intelligence. So I, I think it's both risk- and opportunity, uh, I think the opportunity is more interesting. And I think the opportunity is more present in what we do, particularly as growth investors at Warburg and with a with a pretty strong focus on technology or technology's application to end, marks, end markets like healthcare or industrials. I think we're actually well positioned to benefit more from AI, but every single investment committee conversation um these days includes a what about AI? How does AI affect this investment? So it's very, very prominent in our conversations. And with your CEOs mm-hmm. that
1: you're you're speaking to every day, similarly it's top of mind at the board level, I am sure, um, in terms of you know the impact mm-hmm. in these institutions and in these in these global companies in some situations as well.
0: Absolutely. Constant board conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say this, you know, we've, we've been talking about AI, I've probably been in many boardrooms, even three or four or five years ago, where we were talking about how does artificial intelligence change this? But the conversation is at a relatively fever pitch right now. It is constant. Every single board meeting that I'm in, there's some angle and sometimes it's very prominent, but even when it's not, there's some angle around how are we dealing with AI? Is it threat? Is it opportunity? What are we doing about it today? Right.
1: Um, my, my final question, and thank you for taking the time to Uh, here, Jim, very much appreciate it. As you look at the private, I want to go back to the private equity industry. Mm -hmm. Do you anticipate there'll be some consolidation over some period of time? Because there's been so much written about the amount of capital that's been raised. Um, how do you sort of see this just given all your years of experience, you've seen so many cycles and there's, there's so many private equity firms with sub-specializations, how do you see this playing out in fast forward ten to fifteen years for me?
0: I don't think that consolidation in the p e world will happen in the traditional way of of firms coming together. Um, I think it happens a little bit more organically than that. Um, as you know, some of some private equity industries, many of the new private equity industries tend to be smaller. They grow up, and some of them grow up and get legs and and become larger institutions. Some of them, Last for a handful of fund cycles and and sort of maybe have a little bit of a, a of a denouement as they kind of um, you know wind down over time. I think we're going to continue to see the big get bigger, uh, and and obviously there is a lot of uh, there are a lot of very high quality firms that are big AUM businesses that have big uh, private equity businesses within them, and I think that those businesses will continue to get bigger. I think our asset class will continue to get bigger. Uh, at the same time, I think that there's sort of this natural churn and cycle that happens inside some of the smaller firms that will either find their legs and and grow into it or not. Hmm. I don't really see any kind of traditional consolidation of you know PE firms getting together and and uh, having uh, you know having you know M and A style activity inside the ecosystem. All right, Jim. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. And thank you for
1: joining us for this episode of Evercore's Edge. And we look forward to seeing you next time.
0: Copyright 2023 Evercore. All rights reserved.